0: There you go, big kids, that's your lesson. (laughs) Little kids, stay tuned with me, I've got more for you. Um, Let me start by updating you on what we call our Gen 12 offering for next year. We're making pledges to give an above and beyond sacrificial gift um, that represents what happened in Genesis 12, where God created a people who would be, he would bless so that they would be a blessing to the nations, and he wants us to be that same people, so it is a this next year, the monies that come in are going to go to uh, sending missionaries. We're going to pile all this money on top of our regular, what we call a Lottie Moon offering for international missions. All the money pays missionary salaries and expenses to live. So we're going to pile this money on top of that. Uh, we're also going to help four new church plants, our newest church plants in Utah, Denver, um, Washington, D.C., and Richmond. And we'll be fueling, sending money to fuel those new church plants. Um, and so, to date, um, we have about one out of five Northwake families have engaged on this. And I know the rest of you are waiting to pile on right at the end, so this is your moment, so pay attention, those of you who are ready to pile on. Um, already, one out of five of our families have pledged over $70,000 to be given to those two critical causes. Now, there's a third piece of our Gen 12 offering this year, and that's money that you pledge to help a neighbor that you're going to meet this year that's in need, but you keep the money in your pocket so you can give it to them. We already have about $25,000 pledged just to give to neighbors in need. This is going to be awesome, right? So we're bumping up against $100,000 with just one out of five Northwake families engaged. So I can't wait to see what we're going to be able to do when everybody else piles on. Um, Let me tell you how you can pile on. In the the dead rows of chairs in front of you, there are cards. You can fill those out. If the sermon gets a little slow, you can fill them out right now and leave them at the offering boxes by the doors. Or if you came with those, you can do that on your way out. There are also cards in the lobby. Um, And then you received a couple of emails this week with videos uh, from Carson and Noah. Those have links where you can actually fill out your pledges online. And we're asking that you would do that by this Wednesday so we can tally that report where we're at next Sunday. So, let me encourage you to watch those videos that were sent out about the church planning and about the neighbor-to-neighbor pledges um, by Noah. They're super. They're full of really helpful information and perspective. Plus, Noah's hair is stunning. <laughs> I am not making this up. You need, to, you need to watch the video for the information and for Noah's hair. And then uh, Carson does his best Mr. Rogers. And so if you like the idea of Carson uh, impersonating Mr. Rogers, uh, watch those two videos, plus they, they have some really helpful information for you. So um, pledge is in by Wednesday. Uh, pile on, folks. We, we, we look forward to your help and engagement with this being generous as well. Some of you struggle. Money is tight. And I would just say give up a coffee, cup of coffee a week and throw that in. And, and join us, right? The smallest, the smallest of portions helps us. So let me pray about that and about the opening of the word together, okay? Lord, have mercy on us now. Spur us on to a generous love of our neighbors here and far, far away. And, and show us your love for us now that we might love you back as we ought. And I ask this grace in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. COVID um, kind of radically disengaged us in many ways. Our, our priority last year as a church family was to engage our community. COVID really had almost the opposite effect. So as I mentioned last week, this year, 2021, our elders have charted out a priority that's summarized in the word re-engage, right? That's our priority for this year. And what we're, what we're thinking primarily is we want to re-engage in the three great loves that define followers of Jesus at Northwake. And that is a love for God, a love for his people, the church, and a love for our neighbors. And um, the the books we'll be studying this year to facilitate that are, are the books of Daniel, which was written in very adverse cultural circumstances. That whole Lion's Den thing was a pretty adverse cultural uh, circumstance. And then also a book of Philippians in the New Testament, a book of encouragement and hope that was written from prison. So we'll be studying those two books together as well as a series about uh, in Lent leading up to Easter and then of course Advent uh, leading up to Christmas. But we'll start our year in the next six weeks focusing in on select psalms that encourage us in those three great loves, loving God, loving his people, and loving our our neighbors. And so that's where we are today and next week. We'll look into two Psalms that help us engage that first circle of love for God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says that is the most important commandment you can obey. It's the most important thing. So we'll start there. And open up your Bibles to Psalm 103 as we find some encouragement to to reengage loving God with all our hearts. Now, this psalm is a hymn of praise uh, that begins with the writer who is King David. Um, It feels like he's about to explode with praise, and he starts like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is how he starts his hymn, and if you looked at the last verses, this is how he ends his hymn with encouragement and exhortation to himself and to us that our souls should bless God. Now, to bless God is not like that Southern saying when you look on someone who's pitiful, you know, and you say, bless his heart, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Um, This is a blessing of someone that you look up to, you look up to a God who's worthy to receive worship. Um, it's like what you hear going on around the throne, the very throne of God in Revelation 7 reads like this Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And King David, as he writes this song, is urging his own soul. Um, the very core of who he is, to worship God with all that is within him. And this is, is, he's a good example for us. We need to encourage our own souls, to fuel our souls and all that is within us. That's wholehearted, not half-hearted, love and worship of God. So let me warn you, okay? Those of you who are committed pocket worshipers, right? That means when you sing, this is what you do. As you engage in this kind of love, you may feel your hands creeping out of your pockets. It's been known to happen even to introverts like me, right? And if you feel more secure, you just kind of hook your little finger on your pockets and you can just leave them right there, okay? It's a Bible thing. It's welcomed here. Lift your hands as an expression of wholehearted love to God, right? But... In in Psalm 103, uh, David calls to mind three things that we'll look at today. There's much more in the psalm, but we'll look at three things that fuel loving worship of his great and worthy God. He looks at the benefits that come from um, being God's people. He looks at the character of God, who God is. And then he looks lastly at how God treats his people. And uh, let's drop in on those three sections of this psalm and let it fuel our love for God and worship of him. So that first one is in verse two. It's his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. You know, uh, when people talk about loving to work at their company, a lot of times it's about benefits. Right, it's about it's about things their company does for them as, em- as employees. And there are some crazy corporate benefits out there. Um, so there's a, a company called teaching.com. They, I don't know how this could possibly work. They offer unlimited vacation days. Ah. <laughs> they offer unlimited vacation days. Some companies that offer unlimited vacation days have a minimum you have to take. Right? That's a pretty awesome benefit. Netflix offers one year of paid maternity and paternity leave when you have a baby. A year of paid leave. Um, Six months with Etsy. Uh, Salesforce offers six paid days to volunteer for your favorite charity. Six days you get to volunteer for your favorite charity. You get paid for it. Um, If any of you work with Salesforce, I know a charity. Okay, see me after the service, right? Um, REI, the outdoors folks, they have two. They pay you for two what they call yay days where you get to go be outside in creation and just have a good time in your kayak or whatever and get paid for it. Um, World Wildlife Fund gives you every other Friday off. They call them panda days, and you get paid to do, what I guess, whatever pandas do. Um, Twillow gives you a Kindle and $30 a month to buy books. Um, Facebook, if you have a baby they give you $4,000 of baby cash um, Google, and this is, this is pretty amazing Google provides a surviving spouse or partner of a deceased employee 50% of their salary for the next 10 years At North Wake, you get to hear Daniel Cresswell sing along to Christmas music all year long in the office Okay? <laughs> And these are the kind of crazy benefits that make people love where they work, right? Um, And one of the reasons that David says in the psalm that we're to love God with all that we have, our whole being, um, is because of the amazing benefits that he gives to his people. And and he lists five of them just back to back to back, starting in verse 3. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Our God forgives. He heals. He redeems. He crowns. He satisfies. Um, these, These are the benefits of being God's people. Think about it. He forgives all your iniquities or your sins. Um, All of them. I, I mentioned last week there's a category of sin in the Old Testament. Sins of ignorance. Sins you didn't even know you did. Forgiven. Unintentional sins. Forgiving. Even willful sins. Forgiven. All of your sins and iniquities. He heals all of your diseases, it says. On the one hand, this implies that if you've ever been healed, God was involved. Um, This is how he reveals himself to his people in Exodus. Uh, In Exodus 15, he says, If you'll diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. And if you went to the other end of your Bible, to the book of Revelation, you read about a day when all crying and all pain will be ceased by God himself. All painful, sorrowful diseases will be healed, all of them. If we go back to that list of benefits in Psalm 103, he redeems our life from the pit, a symbol of despair and death or worse, of hell. And he redeems and rescues us even from that, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. It's, a, it's kind of a double-edged symbol. It implies crowning is like giving someone honor, like royalty. You know, you're crowned by God. And the other meaning of that symbol is like a circular, like surrounding or encircling you with his love and mercy pay special attention to that word, steadfast love. It'll happen again, it'll show up again. He satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Um, Satisfies us. So this week I went to lunch with Jake um, on uh, Thursday. And we went to this Asian restaurant. I got a rice bowl. Jake got wings. Large wings. Ten large wings. About six wings in, Jake was satisfied, right? The other four wings he did not need. He was taking those in a little to go box. Jake was satisfied. And the psalmist writes about that kind of soul satisfaction in Psalm 63 My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I think in the Hebrew it means wings. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed, when I meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Our God, he forgives, he heals, he redeems and rescues, he crowns, and he satisfies us. These are, these are just a short list of the benefits that come from being God's people, and they make us want to love him back, right? Right? And now, uh, as the psalm continues to unfold, his his attention turns from the benefits to the character of God. In verse six, the Lord, he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The people of Israel under Moses' leadership are on his mind as he's writing these verses, right? Back when they were maybe enslaved in Egypt, God worked through Moses to free them from their oppression. Um, And, of course, then they grumbled and disobeyed and sinned. And then God revealed himself, even in the midst of their sin and unbelief, um, to be the God of verse 8. Look at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And I mentioned this This description of God is anchored in God's self-revelation to Moses in Exodus 34, one of the low points of the history of God's people. But this is who God says he is to his people. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And and from that point in Exodus, this description of God echoes throughout all the pages of the Old Testament. You find it in the book of Numbers. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. You hear it in the book of Jonah. Jonah says, I knew you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. You hear it in the prophet Nehemiah. You are a God ready to forgive. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The prophet Joel return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Psalm 86, David prays here as well. You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Lord is merciful, verse 8 says, and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And that last descriptor is so very, very rich, Abounding in steadfast love. Every time, you you probably heard it, every time this multifaceted description of God happens, that's the language that describes his love. um, Abounding in steadfast love. The old King James Version says his love is plenteous. He has plenteous love for you. Um, Another version says he is rich in love. Shanna held up that little measuring cup and and said, it's overflowing, you can't can't find a container big enough. The ancient Hebrew word behind steadfast love is the Hebrew word chesed. And author Michael Card defines it beautifully this way. He says, chesed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. And it's a word that's so rich in English, that definition can't begin to capture it. Translators have struggled to capture it. Here's all the different ways um, that Michael Card found that chesed is translated into English. Loving kindness, merciful love, loyal love, sure love, relentless love, enduring love, extravagant love, affectionate satisfaction, love in action, dependable love, steady love, true love, fundamental love, miracle love, generous love, deep love, wonderful love. You get the idea because he goes on and on and on and on and on and on with all these lists, all these expressions in English, just trying to express the richness of this word that describes the steadfast love of God for us. A love that rich abounds in God and towards you. This is who our God is. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger And abounding in steadfast love. And we love him for it, that he's that God for us, right? So there's a third set of motivations in our psalm for loving God after his benefits and his character, and that is how he treats us, his people. Um, Look down at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Think about that. He doesn't deal with you according to your sin. This, this is the best of news, right? Because the Apostle Paul says that the wages of sin is death. Your sin carries, is a capital offense. It carries a death sentence. And what this means is that though I am terribly, horribly guilty before a holy God, I go free. Why would he do that? A God renowned for justice, as we just saw, how how could he do that? And the answers to those questions follow. As far as the heavens are above the earth, in verse 11, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We're back to Hesed. did you see it? Steadfast love. That's why he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. Because he loves us like that. And that love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. As the, little, as the children's book puts it, it's to the moon and back. right? And far, far more. I, I love the way Pastor Sam Storms puts it. He marshals this illustration. He says, the Hubble telescope... Has given us breathtaking pictures of a galaxy some 13 billion light years from Earth. Yes, 13 billion light years. Remember, a light year is six and several zeros, six trillion miles, right? Um, that would put this galaxy at 78 zeros and zeros and zeros miles from the earth. And in case you're wondering, we count from million to billion to trillion to quadrillion to quintillion to sextillion. This galaxy is 78 sextillion miles from the earth. Then he says, if you traveled 500 miles per hour nonstop, literally 60 minutes of every hour, 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week, 52 weeks in every year, with not a moment's pause or delay, it would take you 20, a whole bunch of zeros years, that's 20 quadrillion years to get there. And that would only get you to the farthest point that our best telescopes have yet been able to detect. If the universe is infinite, as he believes it is, this would be the mere fringe of what lies beyond. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him, his people, you. Surely, we are right to say, you are deeply, deeply loved by God. And so as a result of that love, as far as the east is from the west, verse 12 says, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our sins are removed from us in this stunning word picture. As far as the east is from the west, they're gone. They're gone. There's a... A physician, a number of years ago, wrote a book on um, suffering. Um, his name is Paul Brand, along with Philip Yancey, and he writes this, he says, "'Amputees often experience some sensation of a phantom limb. "'Somewhere locked in their brains, a memory lingers "'of the non-existent hand or leg, invisible toes curl, Imaginary hands grasp things. A leg feels so sturdy a patient may try to stand on it. For a few, the experience includes pain and doctors watch helplessly for the part of the body screaming for attention does not exist. And then he says, to me, phantom limb pain provides wonderful insight into the phenomenon of false guilt. Christians can be obsessed by the memory of some sin committed years ago. It never leaves them, crippling their ministry, their devotional life, their relationships with others. They live in fear that someone will discover their past. They work overtime trying to prove to God that you're truly repentant. They erect, in effect, barriers against the enveloping, loving grace of God. So know that if you trust Christ, your sins, your guilt associated with them is gone it's gone gone its east to west gone right grasping this helps us be free from phantom guilt no guilt remains you are loved free of it all by the inexpressible steadfast love of God in Christ's sacrificial death, on your in your place on the cross. See, it's not that your sins were of little substance, that they were overlookable, and God just went, "Yeah, not a big deal." No, the great weight of your sins and mine was borne by another in love. Look at these scriptures as I as I as I use uh, Sam Storm's words again, as he connects Isaiah and Paul. God did not, he says, willy-nilly cast aside our sins as if they were of no consequence. Rather, he laid on him the Son, our Savior, the iniquity of us all. God did not casually ignore the dictates of his holiness and righteous character. Rather, he wounded Jesus for our transgressions and crushed him for our iniquities. This and this alone is why we can sing and celebrate that God does not and never will deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. The measure of God's steadfast love is the depth of the sacrifice He endured in giving up His only Son to suffer in our place. And on top of all that, um, all that amazing illustration about the expanse of the love of God and the extent of the removal of our sin he says on top of all that he treats us with fatherly compassion verse 13 as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it's gone And its place knows it no more. He has fatherly compassion on us in the very best of senses. He sees our weaknesses and cares for us accordingly. Imagine a little toddler playing out in the street in front of your house and and they toddle off into the roadside ditch and the ditch is simply too steep for a toddler to make it out. And the father... The father comes along, and what does a good father do? He doesn't mock the little boy for his inability. He doesn't disdain him or belittle him. He doesn't laugh at him because he can't climb out of the ditch. No, a good father has compassion. And he remembers that he's but a little guy, and he needs help. And so he swoops down into that ditch, and lifts him up from the place that he could not escape on his own. And David says that God is like that to us. He knows we're finite, mortal, fragile, even broken people. As Jesus said, here today and gone tomorrow. And so he has compassion on us, like the best of fathers. And like no earthly dad ever could, he loves his children forever and ever. Verse 17 says that the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Such is the steadfast love of God for his people, for you. Now if there's a time, an event in our lives that's built at great expense usually um, to be a happy celebration of love, it is a wedding. I, as a pastor, I get to perform weddings from time to time and people go to great expense to make this a happy day, right? That's what it's intended to be. And um, if it's, a, if it's a, a wedding where the people are, are people of faith, um, if you have a sense for it, you can, you can see the love of God everywhere at a wedding. It's, uh, it's, it's in the air, almost, at a wedding celebration. And so, at the close of a wedding where the bride and groom are followers of Jesus, I'll, I'll often uh, say something that I call an invitation to the love of God. And, and it sounds like this. I say the bride and groom's name, I'll say... Uh, Fred and Wilma are deeply thankful that you could join them on this special day. You've been invited to this ceremony because you matter to them. And they want you to know that all the goodness and joy that they are delighting in today comes from the hand of their good and loving Heavenly Father. And they happily invite you to to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so this morning, this is an occasion that's designed for us to celebrate the love of God. And let me invite you into the love of God today. Believe in Jesus. Trust him to be the great demonstration of the love of God for you. Hope in him as your sin bearer that he died on the cross, not for his own sins, but for yours, to carry them as far as the east is from the west, away from you. And then... And then as one of God's people, you get to join us as we call up our souls to love the God who loved us first with that amazing steadfast love. And so to close our service, let me ask you, let's, let's stand together. Go ahead and stand right where you are. And let's recite together um, this white hot fuel for the love of God we've been talking about from Psalm 103. And uh, I'll, I'll lead us and we'll just recite what we've been talking about, first, let's remember his benefits together, okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And let's call to mind his character. For the Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Let's marvel at how he treats us. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Let's declare together the ending of the psalm. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen and amen.